Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, March the 10th. I see a year ago, I guess Ferber and I were fixing to go. Wow, that's a that's an ACC word for you. Um, fixing to go to the ACC tournament, and then the next day everything went crazy. Um, that is the day that we've talked about a lot on the pod where Ferber and I basically did not watch a game and then went back to the uh, hotel and recorded a podcast that nobody cared about. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to record a podcast that hopefully, at least for a few hours, people care about. We're going to talk a little bit about Virginia's uh, win over Louisville and going into the uh, postseason as the um, ACC regular season champion. And then we're going to preview um, tomorrow's matchup against Syracuse, uh, which beat NC State today in Greensboro. Um, and uh, hopefully on the other side of the week, we'll, uh, we'll have more Virginia basketball games to discuss. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. What's going on, my friend? Not much. I'm, I got my tally site crown on, so if you hear something jingling, it's oh, just dude. that. <laughs> Who days on the board at Who days on Twitter? And up in Loudon, staff writer Justin Ferber is also back on the program. What's going on, my dude? You know, I was actually going to mention that, uh, give Dave <laughs> a shout out, but now it's like the hell with that, you know? Um, yeah. Victory laps, I guess, are, are meant to be a solo mission. So, um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter, do not follow my picks anywhere. <laughs> Till football season. You're pretty good. Hashtag fade Ferber. That's fade Ferber. Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in game updates, the content items, and the occasional woody banter. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, the tally side thing has, has been fun for me. But I legitimately don't spend more than like a half a second thinking about it when I pick. And I usually pick like five minutes before the game starts. So, yeah, fade fade Franklin, too. All right. So, Virginia goes. I mean, look, goes to Louisville, gets a big win Saturday. Um, uh, Bunny and, and, and company from Florida State open the door and Virginia walk right through it later in the day. In terms of the improbability of Virginia taking home that crown, by by dawn by dark excuse me what where were where would you rank this i honestly did not give it any thought like did not and like was already planning for virginia to play in the 630 game and everything dave how how shocked were you when notre dame went out there and got that win and opened that door for uva i was pretty shocked and you think back to the last podcast we didn't even mention it as a real possibility it was like a foregone conclusion that virginia had pretty much locked up the two seed um you know i was at work so it's you know, on Saturdays in the spring, a little hard for me to watch ball, as we discussed many times before. But when I saw that score and saw you guys texting about it, I was surprised. And I was like, well, great. Virginia's going to have a chance. And because I can't watch, they're going to blow it. Um, clearly, that didn't happen. So, yeah, I mean, just just the opportunity was very surprising. But maybe it shouldn't be, given how Florida State's been outside of Tallahassee. What about you, Ferber? I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but for me, like I said, it was definitely one of those deals where I did not – just did not even fathom that, that Virginia would be playing at noon tomorrow, uh, rather than at six thirty. Do you think what do you, what was more improbable that Florida State lost or that Virginia won once Florida State lost? Oh, I think Florida State losing was easily the more improbable part. Um, I actually picked Louisville to win in the preview by one, but I didn't have any confidence in that pick. Um, you know, it was a toss up kind of game. And once actually, once Florida State lost, I felt better about UVA winning because I was like, now they have something to actually go out and get. You know, it's not just a game. Um, 
So I think that that sort of focused them and they came out and played really hard out of the gate. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, it's funny, like a few weeks ago, I, I think I texted the group um, and was basically, you know, we were looking at Florida state and UVA's remaining schedules. It might've been actually like right after UVA played Florida state. And I was like, well, you know, UVA might end up falling behind them, but I, I was looking at their schedule and was like, man, the game that I keep looking at is that Notre Dame game for them. I was like, that'd be the perfect game for them to screw up on the road. But then I started, I talked myself out of it over the next few weeks because I was like, Notre Dame's not good. You know, like they're, they're not going to be Florida state, especially a motivated Florida state with the championship to play for. But, you know, once they got it done, I was like, man, I think UVA is probably going to win today and, and do this thing. But, you know, I was working on the scenarios all last week for the ACC tournament seating, and I wasn't really looking at UVA being the one seed in any of them. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's certainly a weird year, and the two teams had the same number of losses, and Florida State beat them head-to-head. But, you know, um, the UVA won 13 games. Uh, I don't even know. I, I'm assuming nobody had more than 11. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that in itself is an accomplishment. Um I can't remember how many ACC regular season titles it is now, but it's a bunch. And five of know. the last eight. Um, yeah, and that's you know pretty impressive and, considering. And there were two second place finishes in there too. I think. Right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah. first or second, including last years. year, right? Um, yeah, it's very impressive. So so they go down to Louisville, sixty-eight, fifty-eight. Cavaliers shoot fifty percent from the floor. Um, only hit three threes in the game. Um. um and still managed to um, to come out with a win. I mean, any game that Virginia shoots three of fifteen um, from deep and still manages to win, that's that's impressive to me. But um, and just ten assists on the twenty seven field goals, um, which is kind of bananas. Um, they only turned it over five times, only gave up four points off of those turnovers. Um, in terms of the boards, um, they out-rebounded Louisville, as you would expect. Um, Louisville still had 16 second-chance points, but Virginia scored eight, which is not something you see a lot of. Um, and then, too, like, that there were no fast-break points in this game per per the official book. I, 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 I saw that the other day and was like, I, I guess not necessarily shocked, per se, but just that was very... Um, that would not. That was just not what I was expecting to see. Um, but yeah, I thought Virginia was really strong in this game in terms of getting to places, in part because of Sam Hauser, um, who I guess now that I think about it, I didn't mention this in the intro, but we probably should talk about all ACC voting and, and air some grievances. But um, he goes for twenty four points in this game, nine of fourteen from the floor, two of five from deep, eight boards. Um, you know, he just had a, and he only played thirty minutes. Um, but the big thing to me coming out of this game, aside from you know Sam Hauser being able to get his and Trey Murphy seemed like maybe he's clicked back into place, seventeen points on seven of twelve. Um, let's talk about the way that Virginia ended the game. Let's talk about that lineup at the end. And I know that there have obviously been teams that have had a closing group, right? I don't know if I'm ready to say that that this is Virginia's closing group or. I mean, it certainly depends on matchups, right? But if a team wants to go small, it, I wonder if Tony Bennett has not discovered something about his team. Um, that five that was on the floor late, um, you know, I think Hauser came back at some point. But to have Morsell and McCoy out there, um, man, they, if you've got a lead and you want to protect it, that seems like the group. What did we think about Tony's flex? I called it a flex on Twitter. What did we think about that group at the end? Did did he sort of stumble onto that and just decided to ride it, or do you think that 
that that, that there was some sort of uh, some sort of plan in that. Uh, Dave, let's start with you. Did you was that a surprise mm-hmm. to you, or did or or do you think Tony has a lot of like, you know, mad scientist sort of <laughs> cards in his pocket? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be weird to pull out the mad scientist cards on the last game of the season on the road with that much to to play. So, I mean, if he did, that is a flex. But you know, with Hauser with foul trouble and Huff with foul trouble, I think it was more necessity than anything else. Um, so, I mean, I, I liked it. I mean, it, you know, as you guys, I got to watch the game later. I listened to it and then watched it later. Um, the the energy level that that five brought was good, but the whole team had that energy level all day. So I don't know if it's something you'd want to go to just because I still think it's kind of offensively limited, even though they, they managed to score some with them. It was kind of, you know, put backs and you know, kind of breakdowns to get to the rim. I don't know how my blood pressure would handle that lineup on a consistent <laughs> basis, but it worked that day. And I think, you know, anytime you can put together five, you know, you know, a different lineup, and it has success that bodes well for your team mm. going down the stretch. Cause if you look at some of the lineups Virginia had during their championship run on the floor in yeah. different games, like they were much different than what they got there with. Yeah, for sure. Ferber, uh, Dave said something that made me think of, I watched unbelievable again tonight cause it came on after one of the games. And if, if Dave's blood pressure would get up, uh, I don't know how he, he survived, um, the, the championship run. Um, in in terms of what you you can what you would expect UVA to do going forward, how ridiculous would it be for Tony to, you know, we joke we used to joke that you know he should throw Jack Salt in the game during his retro year just because, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that lineup was quite that bad, but it wasn't that far off and it worked. Um, do you do you want that? Do you want that to be a one hit wonder, or do you want them to, to to pull that thing out every now and then? Yeah, I mean, I think if the situation is similar, maybe. I mean, I think that at that point in the game, the the priority was sort of getting stops, right? And they felt like they could do enough on the offensive end to to hold their lead and finish the game, right? And and it was a game that, um, in some ways, it was kind of like their tech game, where it was like UVA was leading, but they weren't really putting them away. And you just you were like, all right, Louisville, all they, all they need is like a few shots here or there to kind of go on a run. Um, they never did, and I think part of that was because UVA played such good defense. But, yeah, I mean, I think that it was more, uh, you know, he found it because it was he put them in, had them play, and then it was working, so he kind of stuck with it. But, um, yeah, I mean, certainly if you can run that group out there and they can get stops and then, you know, find a way to get some points, then sure. I mean, you can definitely do that and for stretches, even if it's not the end of the games. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, they played really good defense for most of the day, and, um, you know, it's, I think Louisville is a team that, as we just saw, they just lost to Duke a few minutes ago. Um, they can't really shoot the outside shot very well. So you can sort of like dare them to out physical you to the basket and, um, they're going to fail as much as they succeed. Uh, and I think that Tony was like, let's get a more physical group out there and sort of pack it in and, and dare them to win with outside shots. And, you know, they just aren't able to do that. So I think that it certainly made sense given the situation. And I'm not sure we're going to see a repeat of that, you know, against Syracuse or whoever, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, you get into these situations and he may say, you know, all right, we're up eight, you know, with this much time left, this is where we really need to go. And I feel comfortable with what we have. Let's try to get stops and, and, yeah. and go that route. And, 
maybe that works because, you know, in the past, you know, you kind of just rode like in the 2019 season, there wasn't like a defense lineup you threw out there. You just sort of rode the guys that you had because those are the guys that played. Um, yeah. And, and maybe now with, you know, I said depth is kind of overrated, but maybe in a situation like this, you can sort of run a more defensive lineup out there at times when you need to get stops at the end of games or at the end of a half or whatever. Yeah. What's wild? Okay, two things. One, I was thinking about Tony's flexes. Not playing DeAndre Hunter toward the end of that Elite Eight game. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when well, look, what, I don't know how, how long after the, the, the that game was the draft, but, I mean, the dude went lottery, right? You had your lottery pick on the bench with you. And it worked out, right? Um, you're lucky that he, you know you put him back in the game, and he and he scored some obviously a big bucket late for him. Um, but I was just looking at the the numbers um, or the the breakdown from the play from my from my notes, and not only did UVA do pretty well once they had that five in there, because Hauser goes out with um, foul trouble, right? He he gets his fourth foul um, with like four something to go, but UVA was like on a little mini run. Woldeton's side goes for the three free throws. Murphy hit a, uh, a scores in off an offensive board. Um, Williamson scores. And then UVA scores the next um, six in a row. McCoy had a couple buckets and then Beekman scores two free throws. So it wasn't just that this like defensive lineup was, you know, was holding Louisville back. It was also that they were actually scoring some points. And if you can score points, if you're Virginia, you can, when you've got Hauser and Huff on the, on the bench, I don't think you're going to do that very often, right? You're, you're not going to want to put your team in a position where one of those guys isn't on the floor, but in terms of giving them a little bit of a, um, of an interesting, um, you know, kind of a um, chess piece. I mean, it definitely, it was definitely one of my takeaways from that game was just how well UVA looked defensively late. Um, So I'm curious to see, you know, how they look, uh, tomorrow speaking of which um let's return to the scene of the crime so to speak um like i said a year ago we were getting ready to 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 scout uh virginia or excuse me scout notre dame boston college and i don't remember anything else about the game other than at notre dame one and then ferber and i went back to the hotel room and, and recorded that podcast uh, a year later there's obviously been a whole lot that's happened in the world um since but in a way it kind of feels right that uh, it's a it's a year later and it's still Thursday, um, you know, quarterfinal day at the at the um, at the tournament. What do we, what what do we feel about this Syracuse matchup? I mean, frankly, of the two, I you know I was definitely thinking UVA would was was better off to play Syracuse than to play NC State, but then NC State looked like a wounded dog. Um, they just did not look anything like the team I've seen them be lately, and I'm not sure sort of where that came from. Um, Dave, as you watch, I don't know how much if you got to watch any of that game today, or if you've just looked at sort of stats and such. But what's your level of confidence going into tomorrow's quarterfinal? I mean, it's Syracuse. I mean, you'd be foolish as a Virginia fan not to be somewhat confident, right? I mean, if you're not, it's because you're still reeling from six years ago, five years ago, whatever it was. Um, like, I mean, I, I think given what we saw from Virginia on Saturday. Um, where, by the way, they pretty much must have listened to our last podcast because they did everything we complained about, right? Bench energy, Trey Murphy being more aggressive, <laughs> Sam being the alpha, Tony playing with Ilana, like playing McCoy a little more. Like he did it, they did everything perfect. And look at that, ACC champs. Um, no, I mean, I feel pretty good about the matchup, especially, you know, given the shooters on Virginia's team. And I mean, assuming we see that same energy level from Virginia and, um, they, they don't settle for the three, which at times is easy to do against the zone, right? Um, 
you know, it's the same, the same key we always see when we play them. It's, it, you know, who's going to be at the free throw line? What are they going to do from there? How are you going to kind of penetrate and kick? Are you going to make those shots? And then what are you going to do when they throw the press on you? Um, like I was telling you guys in the text thread today, I think they should pull the, the press out a little sooner than they do just to throw the rhythm off and get Virginia's bet up. But they'll do the, they'll do what they do. And um, we know Bayham's in a hurry to get out of Greensboro, so I say we expedite it for him. <laughs> Buddy Bayham went nuts today. Um, yeah, he loves Greensboro. Yeah, he, yeah he, he apparently loves those <laughs> rims. Um, Ferber, uh We've run the preview at this point, so you can. We're we very rarely record the show after uh, the preview is run. So um, hope hope you feel um, like a like you've been released from your uh, from your preview prison like that. Um, but in in reading the preview and, and kind of looking at the arguments, like it ultimately comes down to I don't want to say like you know it's very cliche like you know who who's going to make shots, but if UVA does anything re- remotely resembling normal. Um, you you have to like this matchup for them, and yet at the same time, we just watched them play a game against a team that they you know didn't necessarily hit hit a lot of shots on, and they still managed to to look pretty solid offensively. What happens in this matchup? You think like in terms of um, having seen Buddy Bayham go crazy, wh- what does UVA need to do to slow him down? And is that is that a, a bigger is that a, is that a key that is as is going to get as much that deserves the attention that it's going to get considering that everybody myself included is going to focus on it yeah i mean i think if you're tony or the coaches you just pull up the tape from when they played in january and say just do this again <laughs> i can just do whatever you just did in this game like one more time um you know we, we talked you talked about nc state looking sort of lifeless i think the zone can do that to teams when they're not equipped to beat it and i think that's what we saw in this game, like NC state just doesn't have guys that are going to stretch the floor and shoot except for Braxton Beverly, um, who at times is kind of like keeping them viable just by making long shots. Um, UVA is like the exact opposite of NC state and, you know, they are built to take advantage of the zone. You know, they have a lot of guys that can run in the middle of the zone and they have a lot of guys that can make the threes from the, you know, outside on the kickouts. Um, Hauser in particular in the first game, I think he made seven threes. Um, and, and I thought that, you know, when I said, I remember watching that game and just being like, man, he looks really good when he isn't actually being guarded by a person. Um, I know that sounds stupid, but, you know, like he he's basically in against his own. You're sort of being guarded by space and then somebody has to come out and close out on you. And, you know, he didn't have a guy in his face for a lot of those shots and he was just making them. Um, so if Syracuse plays defense like they did in Charlottesville, they're going to lose um, unless UVA just has a catastrophic shooting night. If Syracuse plays anything like they did today, though, you know, shooting from the outside in particular, then the game is going to be close at a minimum just because, you know, Syracuse was just torching the nets throughout, especially in the first half. And I was like, man, this team is just red hot right now. And and then I went back and looked at what they did to end the regular season. And I was like, man, are they shooting like this, you know, all like the last few weeks? And they haven't. I mean, their last two regular season games, they won both at home. They were really good at home this year. Um, but they didn't shoot well from three in either of them. So I think it's too early to say whether what they did today was an aberration or, or, and more to do with like NC state's defense, or if it's just a sign of things to come. Um, you know, I think that UVA just needs to on offense, just execute against his own, get the kickouts, make the extra pass and, and score. And then hopefully you can get something going around the rim, which is usually done by making good passes. 
um, the extra pass for, for dunks and stuff like that. And on defense, it's just going to be about closing out on shooters, um, trying to make things difficult for those guys. Cause they've got a bunch of guys that can shoot the three. Um, and, and they're not, you know, consistently as good as they were today, but I mean, they're all capable. Gary air can shoot and Gerard can shoot. And obviously Bayheim had 27 points today. Um, so you're going to have to close out on those guys. And they did a great job of that in the first meeting. So if they can sort of replicate that level of defense and then close out on rebounds, um, they had a big rebounding advantage in the first game, then I think they'll be okay. They'll be fine. Yeah. The one thing for me with the zone is like, you know, Murphy and Hauser shot like 23 threes in that game and made like 11 or 12 of them. They were both hot. Um, Hauser had seven for 13. Um, you know, the one thing with the zone though is how, like, how do you, you can't really say, okay, our goal is to take away Hauser unless you just cheat a little more to his side and then you open right, up the other right, side. So, right. I mean, normally I'd say, yeah, someone else is probably going to have to beat him today, but with the zone, you, you kind of rely on just, you know, you know, quick closeouts and, and preventing the penetration that, that collapses it. So, I mean, I think Beekman's going to be important. Kihei's going to be important. Um, Casey had a decent game against him, if I remember correctly, but it was pretty much all the starters scoring. So, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a fun, a fun game. I enjoy watching Virginia play Syracuse. Yeah, um, it's. I just think it's fun. That's what I was thinking. Instead of like, I was, you know, UVA NC State is not fun. Like, <laughs> both teams sort of pack it in, and it just becomes like a physical sort of like, you know, it's just very stagnant. Whereas like, against the zone, it's obviously different looking. Like, you not as much dribbling, but UVA moves the ball really well in their offense usually. Um, so usually it's a pretty and it's a good like clash of defensive styles yeah and with murphy playing better the last few games i'm wondering if maybe he gets a few of those free throw line touches um you know because he's gotten certainly gotten more comfortable handling the ball over the last couple of games certainly both against louisville for sure um but his passing's always been good i thought so it'd be interesting to see if he gets a few more of those touches because if i remember correctly kihei got a lot of those looks and reese did and then obviously they tried to get the alley plays to huff so I don't. I just think it's a lot of fun. I look forward to it. Unfortunately, having to watch it at work because, boohoo, we won the we're the one seed again. Another but, um, thing that just to keep in mind, real quick, in these situations, is that UVA. I believe I don't have the numbers in front of me. I didn't put it in the preview, but um, you know, obviously under Bennett, they've had a lot of buys, double buys. I think they've won like five or six consecutive games in the quarterfinals against the team that played the day before. Um, and most of those wins have been by double digits. So obviously they were the higher seeded team, but you know, a lot of people talk about like, is it better to have rest going into that game or play the day before and be hot? UVA has consistently won as the higher seeded team since 2013 when they lost to the five seed as the four seed. What I was going to say twofold. One, um, Virginia has a lot of options to run through that high post. And I think that to, to Dave's point about Murphy, I, I mean, as long as Virginia's not turning the ball over in this game, I feel like the Cavaliers win it. They don't have to shoot it crazy to, to win. I, I think there are a lot of different ways to attack this this zone, especially when you have the, the kind of varied options that you have. Um, I also wonder, you know, in terms of what Syracuse wants to do, um, I think Virginia's a tough matchup for them in a lot of ways. Um in part because if you're not going to make a lot of hay out of the fact that Virginia's big man is, is pulled away from the basket sometimes, does that make sense? Like they don't have, they don't have a lot of length to, to shoot. 
Um, Beheim is very crafty about getting into the lane, and he's very good about using his hip and, and getting a guy into the space where essentially either he's going to have to make an incredible play to block a shot, or it's going to be a foul. Um, but and I just, he can shoot I, over people. Yeah, he's yeah. I mean, he's a he's a he's a very he's very crafty, but he's also he's more athletic, I think, than 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 some people would probably give him credit for. Like he's he's very good at what he does. The problem is, is that what he does is kind of it is it, kind of exactly the kind of thing that the that the the pack line almost wants you to do, right? Like, yeah, sure, drive toward the dudes who are waiting for you there, right? Um, I know that it has been such a conversation among Syracuse fans and certainly Syracuse media, but the the Richmond kid, how much uh, Jim actually plays him, that actually could be a fairly interesting subplot in this game because I actually think he is the type of player, uh, maybe even more than Garrier, who can actually hurt UVA in a variety of ways. Um, I don't remember how many minutes he got, but I remember him playing a little bit against... um, at least I think that's who I remember playing against, but it just it it's just one of those things where from a matchup standpoint, I just really like this for UVA from from a whole bunch of different reasons and hold a bunch of different angles. Um, the only thing that scares me about Syracuse is that if you're cold, you know, like you, I think it was Ferber who mentioned it earlier that NC State was just not just didn't know what to do, right? They, I think Helms was like you know three or something, three or four from the, for eleven or something from the field, but Virginia's guys typically. Like they're used to having slumps, right? Like let's be real about it. But my my one fear is that when if you're if you do fall into that trap of everything is weird and why won't it just go in and that frustration gets you, especially if your defense isn't right. Um, you know, I, I I feel like to Ferber's point about Tony and, and playing in this game, like there's a reason Virginia's typically, you know, pretty good in this game, and it's not just um, you know, that they got a good scout. Or that they've got good preparation, right? I think there is also the fact that Virginia's Virginia's style of play, typically even in this season, is is you're it's going to be tough to beat them when you're not fresh. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I kind of I kind of like UVA in the matchup, and I think Ferber's number on the on the pick was was pretty strong. What do you think, Dave? How are you feeling about it? I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I think Virginia will win by uh, double digits, low double digits, um, just because I'm I'm assuming it's going to be. Maybe a six eight point game if Syracuse has to follow a couple times at the end. Um, but you know, if there is a concern for me, you kind of hit on it. Like if if you look at the numbers from the last game, it's hard for Huff to become a three point shooter against Syracuse. Um, you know, if you bring him out, like you're not gaining an advantage; you're actually losing an advantage of having of keeping that center down low, right? So he he only shot one three pointer against him in the first game. So if you consider him as almost almost negated as a three-point shooter. Not that he's been shooting great recently, but that threat is normally there. That pretty much leaves you with Sam and Trey to make all your threes because, you know, Kihei, you know, Kihei <laughs> we know what Kihei is. We've seen what Reese has been struggling, and Casey is what he is. So Waldo could play a huge role in this game um, if for some reason, you know, if Trey or, or Sam are off. Like, you could see a lot of what Tensei just to uh, just to have another three-point shooter because I, mean, I think you've got to have two guys shooting a decent to beat them. Um, otherwise, like, you know, and then foul trouble f- for sure because, you know, if you look at, you know, if you get Huff in foul trouble in particular, like Gafaro, Shedrick, if he's a, if he's playing, or, or McCoy, I don't know how much they help you against Syracuse as they would against a traditional team. So there's certainly some potential pitfalls out there, but, if we, I think if we see the Virginia, we saw locked in, and 
if Hauser continues the, the, the play he he's shown us recently and Murphy continues to develop, um, you know, I like Virginia pretty, I won't say, yeah, pretty easily. I mean, I think the game will be tight for a while, but I think Virginia pulls away. Yeah, Huff shot one three in the first game. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And he made yeah. it. He made he, it. But he was seven for ten from two. Yeah. You know, I don't think Clark or Beekman made any, did they? Yeah, Beekman was one for one and Kihei was zero for one. Oh, okay. And Old Atensai yeah. only played nine minutes and was 0 for one. Yeah, that, that might have been during like the time when Morcel was really shooting well. That yeah, little he stretch. Had seven points all on twos, basically. And he okay. had one three. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah, he came off the bench and had a nice game. Um but really, it was Hauser that just dominated them, oh, and, yeah. and Jay had twenty-one points. Um, but a lot of that—that's where, like, Ali that's oops. what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> Ollie oops against the zone. It's like Ollie oops lobs. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I will say about like guys like Kafaro is that they don't really give you a lot. They're not going to move around a lot against the zone, but like they can dunk. <laughs> you know, if the passing is good, you know, they, they could be the last guy to touch the ball before he goes in. <laughs> Um, and that sometimes is good enough. But, yeah, I mean, I think Jay actually dominated that game. He had like 10 or 12 rebounds or something. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think he's sort of a matchup problem for them because, you know, if you can get into the lane, if their center can't can't contain him at the rim, it's a problem. Or if he's, like, yeah. got the touch around the rim, then, yeah. you know, that's a problem. Yeah, and then talking about just one quick thing, like talking about Syracuse offensively, obviously Bayhams been playing well, and they've, they've got some players. I'm just, and this is more of a question to you guys, because other than Alvarado, like which wing have we played recently, wing or guard, that has played up to his season average? Like, I mean, I feel like despite the fact that we complain about not having a lockdown defender on the wing, Beekman and Morcel and Clark have done a great job kind of stopping that undersized wing and, and guards. You know, they the pretty only, much shut down Wong. The only um, guy I can think of is the Usher kid for Georgia Tech. He, he played above his station. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's sort of like a role player, him. but he's yeah, yeah he's a, you're exactly so he's not like a you know a marquee guy. Other um, than who was a what was the game? Uh, Florida State. Um, yeah, I mean those, yeah, all, those all those dudes <laughs> played well. Yeah, everybody yeah, ate that night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, MJ Walker had 17. Yeah, he looked um, pretty good. But even Barnes had seven. I mean, he didn't really like light it up. Yeah, yeah. That's that games point, are though. asterisks. I think. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's do this. Um, so we all feel pretty good about UVA's matchup with Syracuse. Um, if you if you d- believe in jinxes and you don't want to hear us talk about anything beyond just a game that's in front of them, feel free to uh, you know in in listening to the show right now. Thanks for coming out. God bless. And good night. All right. So, <laughs> um, so Georgia Tech and Miami. I think the best result here for Virginia is that Miami wins this game. I think we all agree with that. Like, um, I mean, I'm not saying that that yeah. tomorrow afternoon Miami's going to win the game. But if it were to come to pass, that would be a would seem to be a pretty good result for UVA to to, to get Miami um, playing its uh, fourth game in as many days on Friday night. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, if Miami wins three games in a row, <laughs> three days with like no bench, I don't. I, yeah, I mean, like obviously, I wouldn't be too worried about losing that game. But <laughs> they, I mean, they deserve some sort of like you know medal or something. Yes, yes, but, some sort of participation trophy. Yeah. Um, now, would they be the first team to get that far? Yeah. Yeah. No team has ever, since they expanded the field in 2014, I looked it up earlier, because I was trying to think if anybody had done it. I was like, has anybody won uh, on Wednesday after winning on Tuesday? And there were two teams prior to today, and it was um, State, the, right? It was the year that, it was the same year that uh, UVA won in Brooklyn. Um, 
So it was NC State lost. So they they lost to Boston College. Um, Boston College was like the 12 seed. And then the other one was like the 10 seed one. Virginia Tech was the team that lost. I think it was like Notre Dame won. Um, and obviously both of those teams lost their next game. Um, but yeah, I mean, those two. And then today there's been two um, with Miami and Duke. So yeah, I don't know. It's just a weird trend, but yeah, it's hard. I mean, then once you start to get to three games, four games, it becomes, you know, everything just sort of, I mean, teams have done it. I think UConn, I mean, that's the kind of the famous one, right? Kemba Walker. They won like five games in yeah. a row to win their conference tournament or something like that. Um, but, I mean, it's it takes a lot. Especially, I mean, Miami, they have no bench whatsoever, and they're not good anyway. <laughs> so it's like um, – but honestly, like, I think Clemson and Georgia Tech would have been a fun game because Clemson can play defense, but Clemson has no offense. So I'm not really that surprised that they lost today. Um I thought that they would, you know, find a way just because Miami's not good, but you know, here we are. <laughs> here we are. Yeah, Clemson's um, like a bad version of Virginia last year. Yes. Oh, dude, I was yeah. literally. Yeah, they're about trying to, say the same to be. <laughs> they're trying to be 2020 Virginia, but they don't play it slow, and they're not as talented. Like it's yeah. like Amir Sims is like a good number two guy on a team. You did you say saying? that in our text thread, Brad? Or Brad, what? did you did you text that very thought in our text thread today? No, I had not. No, okay. no, no, no. I was. I didn't know if that was, was original or is, plagiarized. I've been no. saying that all year. <laughs> get, like they no, don't have any guys that can like who who. I've never heard you say it, Ferber. Who <laughs> yeah, sway? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, it's not. I I can't log my thoughts on Tally site, so yeah, there's no right. there's no proof. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, like they don't have anybody besides Sims that can hurt you. And yeah. Sims is a role player that's being asked to be the number one guy. And it's just you know who's like, better than I thought, though, is that Tyson kid. Like, I feel like every time I watch him, he's, like, burying threes left and right. Yeah. Like, he, he – I mean, the problem the problem they have, let's be real, is they don't have any guards. Like, yeah, they, they don't, don't have, have a guard that, that you can me. trust. Yeah. yeah. And and so Sims is good. And um, if Sim wants – if he wants to run it – I saw somebody say this on Twitter. Like, hey, if he wants to run it back and, and come to UVA for a year um, – yeah. Come on, which up. you know there will be lots of there will be lots of time to podcast about the craziness that is about to be be uh, the live <laughs> uh, transfer agency. portal here soon. But <laughs> um, but no, like you're right. Like they don't have a lot of good pieces. My issue with Miami, honestly, though, is that, like yes, there are six dudes, but you know what? They're tired, but they're getting a lot of reps. Right? They are repping the hell out of everything. You know, mm-hmm. and the Wong kid is actually. I mean, he's good. He's the, the issue that I would have is is like if if likes and Beverly can play, do we even ever like really hear about him? Like when like what minutes was he gonna get? Right. Yeah, I think he would have been like one of. I think he he has to play, but like he'll he play probably, some. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he wouldn't. He wouldn't get this level of burn. You know what I mean? I mean, there was this one. He he drove and he like he like leaned to one side and he like like sidearm baseball pass this thing out and i was like okay that's not normal like yeah, you talk it, about somebody who's crafty he's so good he, in he's the lane. yeah his he's agile and he's got really good anticipatory skills like but we should we should probably things. talk more about georgia tech yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true yeah well they are look that we, we, i mentioned passers. talking about the uh player the, the all acc stuff I mean, I didn't vote for Moses Wright. Um, we talked a, a lot last pod about our votes and such. Um, what we eventually submitted was fairly close to w- our conversation. I don't think we really diverted much at all, except for Coach of the Year. Um, we ended up going Tony um, instead of Leonard, in part because of what happened in the year. I really don't mind 
uh, Alvarado was defensive player of the year considering just how all over the yeah. place he was. I mean, we talked about that too. I mean, he leads the league in steals. Yeah, I mean, like that's, a and that's a fair, you know, and that's fairly imp- impressive. And frankly, the fact that Moses Wright was in there, and we talked about this before too, that he was up there in blocks and in steals, says a lot about his player of the year candidacy. I just have a, I don't know, man. I just, like that team lost like four or five games mid-January to early February. Like, can can the player of the year really be from the team that finishes fourth when, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think, put it to you like this, they didn't finish fourth because they beat a lot of good teams. They essentially in any other season would have backed their way into fourth, right? Like, who, like look at the, like the group of teams that Georgia Tech beat in order to get there, right? And I'm not saying that, that the only way to win player of the year is for your team to be really good, right? I'm just saying that, like, it's hard for me to pick a to pick a guy to be player of the year when when his team didn't necessarily like I, I want him to do well for his team. And I understand that Georgia Tech played well toward the end of the year and that they were coming into this yeah. event at least. One of the they were the momentum teams, team. Right? They beat like with the awards. They hold on, they beat Pittsburgh, Miami, they beat Virginia Tech coming off the pause. They beat Syracuse. Uh they beat that that Duke game in overtime and they beat Wake Forest. So they beat one good team. Debatable yeah. how good Virginia Tech really is because we haven't just seen enough of them. They beat, um, yeah, they beat Florida State, and then but th- right, but they beat Florida State in January. But I'm saying I'm saying like there's this all this talk about the you know they're the hottest team in the league, and I'm like, dude, look at who they played, right? Like it was like the poo poo platter plus one. You know, yeah, and then, yeah. but the, I really feel like that's why they got a lot of awards. Was of like, course they, it, it is. It, it was if the season went like two more weeks. Like all those awards could have gone to different people. Couldn't they have been as low as a six seed if Florida State had won Saturday a, and we had lost to Louisville? Yes, that was one of the. That was one of the. Well, they could have been right? like. Well, they lost. They could have been the five. Okay. Um, okay. But that was after they beat Wake. It, going into that Wake game, I mean, obviously they handled. They were Wake, seven. But yeah, they could have. They could have finished as low as like eighth. <laughs> um, but I mean, obviously, I think when you get to like this year, especially, but in some years, this is definitely true. Once you get past. Sometimes once you get past like one, two, three, it becomes very muddled in the middle with the so like if, if they finish seventh and he had the same numbers, I don't know if he's like any less deserving. Yeah. Um, but to me, like it felt and this is something I haven't even texted you guys about. It feels like Mike Scott winning mm-hmm. the player of the year that year. That's exactly I've thought what the, it feels I've, like. I've been thinking that exact same thing for yeah. the last few days. I was like, this is the reverse, um, this is like the reverse Mike Scott, Tyler Zeller. Zeller, that's who won it. Yeah, because I mean, Zeller pretty much had, you know. And one of the arguments the people Hauser. made was like, "Oh, well, well, Zeller beat him head to head and outplayed him head to head," which was like the yeah. exact, you know, thing that UVA. It's funny UVA fans are now on the other side of that debate. <laughs> like, I just found out Carden saying like, "Oh, he didn't, he didn't do him. anything against us," you know, when we yeah. played him, and it's like that's what people were saying about Mike Scott. Um, yeah, but yeah, it is exactly like that. Um. Okay, so so like I said, I I don't have a problem. I certainly don't have a problem with being first team All ACC. I, I think really realistically, if I if I drill into it, the the issue I have is that it's it was apparently a consensus. Like if that you look at wild. the votes, that's nuts yeah. to me. Like I understand that like I watched Moses Wright play Virginia, and he you know he didn't do anything. Um, I watched him play in that Duke game, and he was phenomenal, right? But not everybody was Duke, and you know last I checked, Duke is trying to play its way into the tournament by winning the actual thing right like they can't 
You know what I mean? Like they're not in a position to be, you know, yeah. well, he did this against Duke, but I promise you that he had they had that game on March the 2nd, right? Georgia Tech wins 81-77 in overtime. Um, Ole Moses Wright had 29 points, 14 boards. He had five assists, three blocks. He was everywhere. He, he was great that night. I'm telling you, that game won him the ACC Player of the Year. I have, yeah, there's not a we, single and, doubt in And as mind. we know, because we discussed it last week, the ballots came out early. Yep, they so did. Some people and might have submitted like that Friday. Weekend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They but also, yeah, I mean, you know. I, I, I couldn't believe that was the thing that was the most shocking. I was like, oh, he won, you know, whatever. Um, and then I saw the totals of the votes, and I was like, did I miss some sort of like Zoom yes. where everybody yeah. decided to vote for? <laughs> for yes, right exactly. For it was wild. I mean, the number, the 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 points and stuff. I, although, if we're gonna be, if we're really gonna throw this out there, the wildest thing in all of the voting was that Tyrese Radford. Okay, <laughs> Tyrese Radford made honorable mention. All right, Tyrese Radford. Virginia Tech only played thirteen games in the league this year. Okay, Tyrese Radford. He who and I understand he got in some legal trouble. We don't need to go into it. Yeah, I was going to say. And why did he miss those games? <laughs> he, he did not play in five of them. Okay, so they play. He played in eight games. Now, was he great in all eight games? I mean, did he, you know, was he averaging 20 and 10? Um, you know, no. he, had, he had 20 <laughs> against Wake Forest. He had 18 against Duke. Um, he he scored a whopping uh, two points against Louisville uh, earlier on in the schedule. Uh, against Virginia, he did not play. He did not play against Notre Dame. He did not play against Pittsburgh. He did not play against Miami. I mean, somebody, and, and here's the thing, is because of the way the point structure works, he got at least one vote for first or second team. He played in eight games. That is wild. Mm-hmm. That's, well, can that's, I quick well, aside? Uh, the league runs through Radford, um, as we know. <laughs> uh, Carly Jones, former Radford player on the first team. Mike Young, coach of the year, was uh, an assistant at Radford and is a Radford native. And obviously Tyrese Radford. So league runs through Radford. He named two why Hokies did, and make a point. That's a bad. Yeah, why, why did I? Why did I bring that up? I, I can't say. <laughs> oh man! All right, so let's and let's Wes save. Durham, who is on the famous Packer and Durham show, used to be the radio play-by-play guy for Radford back in the day. So and Georgia Tech, you know, conspiracy. Um, the crazy thing <laughs> to me was that Georgia Tech had like forty-one Player of the Year votes between Alvarado and Wright. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, well, and I'm also you, it was man, like, people yeah, watched that, that was dude like, game and were. That's I mean, like the UVA fans had to like struggle for, I mean, obviously not so much when like Malcolm Brogdon came along, he won player of the year. Um, but like, you know, for a lot, it was like they had to struggle to get anybody recognition. It felt like, and it's like Georgia tech randomly is good for like half of a year. <laughs> they have, they just dominate the awards. You think the voting was, I mean, I don't think the voting was crazy, but I wonder how much not having a chance to see every team, you know, not go to I mean, games as much as you normally do. Yeah, no, that's definitely part of it. I mean, you know, the there, way we, this works, we know, like, we don't watch every game, so it's not like no, everyone else did either. No, I, I think mean, people I, probably paid less attention this year, and also this year is, like, particularly, like, crazy. I mean, there's yeah, just so much. There's nobody that, like, normally player of the year is not a seven, eight-way race. Yeah, there were normally guys like that we talked. There were guys that we talked about for player of the year that didn't make the first team. Like, you know, I remember correctly, like Dockage and whoever was doing the game with him on Saturday were making it sound like Carly Jones had already had it wrapped up mm-hmm. early in that game. And then I um, was telling you guys, I listened to, I was watching a game like two days before that where the color announcer was like, Keve Aluma is like clearly going to win. You know, oh, like, yeah, he hasn't yeah. played in three weeks. 
Meanwhile, like, Hauser's out there like hitting everything he takes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah, whatever. I mean, maybe it, Hauser I mean, and Huff will have a little chip on their shoulder should they run into the Mr. Wright on yeah, I mean, uh, it, Friday. It's, UVA UVA's won plenty of awards over the years and obviously yeah. like Tony and you know, he's won coach of the year a bunch of times and you know, they they did have a bunch of guys get named to teams and things. So I mean I'm not gonna and I don't really feel like any of the awards are like I mean, I, I can make a case for all of the ones that won, like pretty much. Like even Mike Young, I was like not expecting him to win coach of the year, but I was like, Well, I mean, they were picked eleven. So I mean, yeah, I, have, I, I have a hard I, time with that one. I'm not gonna. Yeah, lie. but I mean, like I see how people got to that conclusion. I mean, I guess I can't. It's all about you know the the difference between your preseason expectation and your result. But I mean, mm-hmm. again, they played 13 ACC games. I'm not gonna put it to you like this, and then we'll then we'll move forward to the rest of the tournament. I'm not gonna ding anybody for games they didn't play, but I'm not gonna give you credit for wins you didn't have. Right? Like if you're gonna be coaching, well, in the their year, case, sorry, especially because of who they didn't play. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to win more than nine. You're gonna have to win more than nine games to win ACC Coach of the Year. I'm sorry. Like I know they didn't get a chance to play it, and that's unfortunate. But you know what? They did play 13 games in the ACC, and maybe they should have won more than nine. I mean, I'm sorry. If you if you voted him Coach of the Year, and you, then you heard him admit that they've been missed the last few games because of zero positive cases, just I contact mean, tracing. That was baffling. Did you take your me. vote back? <laughs> I mean, that was baffling to me. Like I understand, like on some level, like this thing you. You could do everything right, and and it can bite you. Certainly, you know we remember the UVA football, you know, folks and fans, you know, sort of thumping their chest about and stuff, and it kind of came back. Yeah. But like, contact tracing is a little bit different in the sense of like you should learn some lessons after your first shutdown, you know. And I don't know how in the world they got into a position where they didn't have anybody that could play, or they didn't have enough numbers in terms. It had of to be either tracing. a coach or a trainer. It's the only thing I could figure. And he, because he just said no players positive, right? Yeah, it true. has to be someone who was with. Yeah, the and, whole and team. the way that they did their releases when they missed the Louisville game and then the NC State game was they said after a contact tracing, tracing review, review, not yeah. positive test. Yeah. Um. So I mean, yeah, I mean, and also like, I mean, I I have been thinking this for like the last three days. Um. Not to say like anybody was trying to just get to the postseason, but like we've now reached the point like as of today where if like a team has to shut down, like they're not going to be able to play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Because the NCAA has, you have to have a certain amount of negative or yeah, negative tests. And then also they, the teams arrive Saturday, Sunday or Monday morning. So like if a team has to like back out tomorrow, there's no way they're going to be able to get to Indianapolis um, yeah. for the tournament. So it's over. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk about happier topics, including. Yeah. <laughs> all right. In the event that UVA does uh, win tomorrow, and I'm not. But they change. lose, they get to go straight to Indianapolis. So there's a positive. <laughs> or the, well, I think what, what would happen is they hang out in Greensboro for like two days uh, and then go to Indianapolis. But yeah. All right. So scenic destination. So they. So let's let's assume they win tomorrow, and then they play either Georgia Tech or, or Miami on Friday, and let's assume they win Friday night and they make it to the championship game. The way the rest of the bracket is set up right now is uh, Duke, having just beaten Louisville, will play Florida State tomorrow night. Virginia Tech will play the winner of uh, Notre Dame and North Carolina, which is happening as we speak. I'm going to guess Carolina. I'm going to guess Carolina. <laughs> yeah. um, Carolina Virginia Tech is actually a very good matchup. I hate that it's at 9 o'clock because I'm an old now and I don't like to stay up too late. Hey, at least they moved it up 30 minutes this year. <laughs> Last year, Our game know, for usually, many Tech fans. Usually that three seed, the three seed, everybody talks about like, ah, the one seed, 
the three seed is the nightmare because you play it like 10 o'clock at night. Two, yeah, di- but two it, nights in a row. The only good thing is is that you get your body right because it's 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and if you make it to the championship game, 8.30, right? Mm-hmm. So at least then you, you ha- you're you not you're not transitioning from you had a game at noon and then you got a game at 6.30 and now you got yeah, a game at Yeah, it is kind of weird like being the one seed, and obviously this is first world problems for UVA because they've been the one seed so much, but it is weird when you have that noon game now and then you don't play again until like 7.30 or whatever yeah, the next day. Yeah, 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 it's <laughs> funny. All right, so let's assume that uh, Virginia gets to the championship game of the teams mentioned, right? Um, Notre Dame, Carolina, Virginia Tech, Florida State, Duke. Which which one of those teams do you want UVA to play? It, it, uh, Notre it, Dame, it, please. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, well, Duke would be in a similar situation. Um, eh. But I don't know if you want any any part of Mark. I don't Williams want Duke right one game away from. I said this to you guys in the, in the text thread the other day, but in a, in a, in an alternate universe, Virginia got Mark Williams and Henry Coleman early. And they have no issues in the front court right now. Just, just saying. Um, I, I don't know. What man. What's issues, the best man? Matchup? They got Hauser. <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying, like in terms best. of the future, right? Yeah, like man. one of these kids could have balled out uh, yeah, this yeah. year yeah. if they got in time. You know, I mean, I, I the whole thing with Mark Williams is like they really liked him. But they were worried, I think, about you know foot speed and being able to cover and like oh, he looked like a monster. He, he did. Tonight. He looked. He looked like a pro. That's what he looked yeah. like. Yeah. Maybe he could I mean, go Florida pro State- after this year. Yeah, I mean, Florida State would be my least preferable of of all of them. Um, they seem the re- like the none of team, none of the rest honestly. really bother me. I, I'd like to get Tech again, but I also don't want Tech right there with a chance to win. It I was going to say the, the 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 lemon so, booty that Dave would have yeah. if it was Virginia Virginia Tech in the championship game. Oh, I mean, it's gosh, not like it would have been like pre two thousand nineteen, but um, I mean, it'd still be a thing. That's for sure. I mean, if you're but if I you're expect Tech like, to get bounced tomorrow, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, if you're saying, like, who would you want to play if you, like if the goal is to win? Like, you know, who do you think gives you the best chance to win? Probably North Carolina. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to include Notre Dame. Um, like, because UVA just has their number, and, and I don't think North Carolina has the personnel to exploit UVA's biggest weaknesses. Um, but the team I would most like to beat, if you could say, like, I guarantee you a win, Duke. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It would be funny. I mean, like, obviously, I think they would have played their way in by then. Like, if they beat Florida State and then they beat, like, Virginia Tech or North Carolina in the semis, um, they would be at least on the bubble. No worse. Um, They're probably in now, man. What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, so so I don't think you're – that's kind of what I'm saying. I don't think you would be, like, ruining their chances of making the tournament, but it would be fun to beat them. Um, especially after how that game went in Cameron, the first, you know, it was a tight game could have went either way. Um, and honestly, if Duke hadn't won that game, I don't think they have a chance in hell of making the tournament. No, that, winning that, ACC that is their tournament. resume. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah, I think that, I mean, Florida state would be probably the most like intriguing game just to see like how different it is than the first one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think North Carolina gives you the best chance of the good teams and then, uh, Duke would be the one that I think UVA fans would probably relish in beating the most. One of the uh, fun parts about um, a tournament like this is um, since you're not going to get like daily podcasts or whatever, so we have to talk about the whole thing. Uh, if for some reason uh, UVA comes out and loses, our entire conversation thereafter is not our fault. Okay, so there you go. That's my disclaimer for the week. It was all hypothetical. It was all yeah. We're just we're just talking. You know, we don't have we don't have power over the universe, folks. Um, I, my sister had to learn that the hard way um, during the championship run. I think she had a, it was like a she's gonna kill me now that I brought this up. There was a there was a specific 
like coffee cup and a specific place that she sat to watch the games and um but I, I think all that went out the window after those three wins at the end yeah. of 2019. Yeah, I mean, we the fact that we went to the national championship game and saw them win it, I yeah. was like, oh, well, I'm not the, I'm not a jinx. Like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep, it's not us. Some It might be one of y'all, but it's not me. Um, if you're somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. And if you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. Also, if you see a subscribe button, this doesn't mean you're actually giving us money, though. If you wanted to subscribe to the website, you certainly can at CavsCorner.com. Let's see, right now, uh, you can check out Ferber's preview, which he uh, uh, mentioned earlier. Um, I was down in Virginia Beach for a little media day on Sunday. Um, talked to several uh, UVA football recruits, uh, including five-star offensive lineman Zach Rice. He of the Rivals 100. I think he's the number... Is he, where I forget off the top of my head what where he is nationally, but he's pretty high up there. Um, he's top five at his position. Um, an interesting fit in in variety of ways. Um, so I got a little, did a little interview with him, um, and then also we're you know, Damon's been killing all the baseball stuff. So uh, he's got a um, a story up about Virginia's bats and the issues at the plate. And um, you know I, I think the the other other day against Richmond certainly helped that, but it remains to be seen if they can do that against uh, ACC competition. And we'll have another notebook for you um, coming up probably if you're listening to this on the day of, of the game after. Um, after the game and after the post game covers. So there you go. So I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.